Music Business What Is This is a podcast that focuses on the ever-changing music industry and presents issues and concerns that the average and above average musician has or will encounter. Hey everybody, my name is Richard Johnson. I'm Jeremiah Hunt. And this is Music Business. What is this? In today's podcast, we're going to talk about the sound man. Mm. That's right, the sound man. Now we know... That doesn't ring a good bell (laughs) for those musicians out there. When you start talking about the sound man and the crew. (laughs) All right. We have our trusty cowbell here. That means. mm, Exactly. They're all not bad, but we've all had very common stories that are similar about the sound at the gig. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things I've noticed for me, and I, I think I'm a pretty reasonable guy. What, what would you say? I'm, I think I'm pretty yeah, fair absolutely. in general. Yeah. Um, it seems as though when we get to gigs, the sound crew is usually there setting up, which they should be because they need to be set up before the musician. So mm-hmm. no problem with that. But there always seems to be some tension mm. and the tension I I sometimes wonder where does it come from because in in lieu of the sound man that they're generally nice guys generally mm. when you see them they're like hey how you doing my name is George Jefferson I'm here <laughs> to help you out you know good vibe they're happy mm-hmm. um but then the sound is bad. And I always wonder, is it because of the level of training? Is it the equipment? Or just the lack of, they've already hired me, whatever they get, they get. You know? So in your mind, what what is the stigma or the issue of, that most musicians have with sound crews? Yeah, I think um, the attitude is the first thing I look at. Attitude, yeah. Yeah, when you walk into a room, you know, the typical, for me, it's typical for me to walk up to everyone and just greet myself and uh, or greet them and, hello, I'm Jeremiah, you know, how are you? Same thing with the sound man. Generally, the sound man doesn't have too much to say <laughs> in my experiences. Uh-huh. They're pretty quiet. Yeah, they're pretty quiet. And it could be because they're in a bad mood and or, you know, that they don't know the band or they don't like the band. Or it also could be just the attitude of, well, I've already been hired. So I'm just going to... Uh, Play, you know, be myself and just yeah, do it as it be yourself. Goes. But that don't mean they got to be negative, right? And that's the thing; it's it's tricky um, because starting off that way never helps. Yeah, because then on top of that, if the sound is bad, now you've got a bad attitude and bad sound and a bad night (laughs) yeah (laughs) and that is not going to help the musicians yeah right which is not going to help the customer which is Mm -hmm. the listener uh with their experience Mm. and so that i mean just that alone it makes me think when i deal with a sound guy like that like 
did the venue hire this sound guy for this specific event, like for me being here? Hmm. Or like, and that makes me think. Well, do I have a say? No, nah, yeah. I didn't think about that. If yeah. they hired them for you, you should have a say. Yeah, and who should be there? Right. Now, obviously, we can as a band, mm -hmm. you can have your own sound guy on the road with you, and right. obviously, that's his own expense. Yeah, I mean, but that's that's awesome. That's the ultimate. That's the ultimate. You know, thing. when I was out with Wenton, we had we had Dave. He was amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think. Yeah, that's just the ultimate. Yeah. <laughs> you just show up and you do what you do and you're out. Yeah. But that's not the reality for 95, 98% of the musicians out there today. Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah, so we have to figure out how to troubleshoot mm. uh, this consistent issue because it's not going to help the music. Mm. And ultimately, that means it's not going to help us. Mm. So my question is, what do you do when you hear feedback mm. in your playing? As a bassist, <laughs> first of all, I have to, I, I, I do want to mention this I because I, I, I've been thinking about it. I think that the sound guy, may, maybe some people would disagree with this, but I think it's, it's the sound guy's responsibility to know not only what he's dealing with monitor wise and uh, with his board, but also know everything that's on stage. Okay. So know, what are you meaning by that? Like instruments so or instruments, amps, mm -hmm. what type of amp the bassist is playing through. Oh, so you're saying you've been in situations where they didn't. Know. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Well, even if I'm bringing my own amp, of course they wouldn't know what amp I'm going to bring unless they were to contact me before the gig mm -hmm. and uh, I tell them. But I just think that is good for them to know. You know, mm -hmm. if if they see it as a benefit, you know, mm -hmm. for the sound, because if I'm playing on a uh, a Mark bass amp, <clears throat> that's going to have a, a you know slightly different tone than a Galleon Kruger mm -hmm. amp. And it's going to affect the sound of the whole stage. So as a sound guy, okay. you know, you should right, right. probably want to know a little bit about, you know, the, right, the right. amps and instruments and stuff. So that being said, you know, when there's feedback coming from the bassist or the bass, you know, obviously the sound guy should know where the feedback is coming from. Is it from the monitor? Is it from the amp? Mm -hmm. Whatever. I mean, obviously I would probably be able to pick that up too, but right. my first instinct would be, you know, to tell the sound guy, it's pretty hot. <laughs> <laughs> right. <clears throat> well, what I think is always funny, and this this topic we could probably talk about for a long time. It seems as though the sound men never realize when the feedback happens. Mm. You ever realize that? I do. <laughs> it's like everybody on stage and then the audience hears it. Yeah. But the sound guy is like, it's like, where are you? Like, what planet are you on? There's a thousand people in here and everybody hears the feedback. Yeah. But you're like, oh, what's going Oh, something's happening. Oh, okay. What? And then it's, you got to figure out what's happening. So there's two levels of that. Most of the time they don't know us notice. And then when they do, it's like, how do I fix it? Mm. That just baffles me, mm. you know? And that also leads me to think about something that you said. Every sound man should know a little bit about the amps and the stuff's on stage. Mm -hmm. And I think that goes to the credibility of the company and a little bit about who's hiring them. Mm. For instance, 
let's go back to our trusty plumber mm. um, metaphor. <laughs> you hire a plumber. What makes this plumber different than that plumber? People look for ratings. That's what people do nowadays. They go on their phone, yeah. look on the computer. This guy's done 80 jobs this week. He must be good. He's done 80 jobs. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's some credibility to that. This other guy, he's done three. Hmm. hmm. How many stars do they have? I don't think people do any of that mm-hmm. when they look for sound crews. Mm-hmm. They just say, oh, you do sound? Hired. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. Unfortunately, yeah. right. To the default of their concert or the event. Mm. Right. And that's just it's just sad because when that feedback goes off, it only takes one time. Oh, God. It only takes one because that's what the people remember. (laughs) Yep. And I I remember uh, we just did a gig um, on a tour in L.A. I was um, in L.A. doing a tour with a young saxophone. Saxophonist. Mm-hmm. Saxophonist, you got it. You it. Uh, a brilliant young man, Isaiah Collier. And we was on tour and we played at this venue in LA. And so the sound guy, you know, he was really, he was a good sound guy, you know, on the mm-hmm. surface. But when the room was interesting, it was really narrow and we were in this small corner, but it was a lot of, things happening. It was a lot of speakers, mm. uh, you know, just amps, mm-hmm. uh, microphones and stuff. And it was just a lot of equipment. So it was just really live in the room. And the thing that was making the feedback mostly was the bass drum frequency. Mm. And it, uh, the frequency yeah. was uh, E flat or something like that. Mm-hmm. So every you got perfect bitch? Uh, Nah, no. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Okay. Only when I'm like when <laughs> right. it deals with bass. But okay. anyways, um, so whenever I hit that E flat, the sound would go, mm-hmm. and you would just hear it. So by the time the piano player got done soloing, and it was my solo, it was only me and drums. And then the piano, you know, the piano mm-hmm. player when he sits out, it was just me and drums. So there was nothing but feedback. Because it was just that frequency. So from the audience's perspective, it's like, man, this is a horrible bass. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And I'm sitting here like, no, it's not me. (laughs) Right, right. It's not my fault. But but see, that's the thing. It's like, they don't know. And you can't blame them. Yeah. You know, but my question is like, what do you do? Like, Mm. literally, what do you do in that situation? Like, do you stop playing? Do you start waving it? Like, what do you, something has to be done. In the moment, you want to find the sound guy and just cuss him out. <laughs> That's what I want to do. But right, right. unfortunately, you can't do that. So uh, it's just, I think it's just about resetting and, and just stopping and just figuring out what's the best situation. I think in that moment, I just stopped playing mm-hmm. and just held my bass until the until the feedback went away. Right, it didn't right, go right. away for about 20 seconds. So right. then I knew that, okay, it's not the bass, it's something mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. And that's when he had to figure it out, you know, like, right. I had to point and say... Hey, okay, and that's what I was trying to get to, right. sign language. Sign language, Right, yes. there's this universal thing that we as musicians do every style. Mm-hmm. When there's feedback, we start... right. <laughs> right it comes out some way or another yeah right and that's what i'm saying that's a universal language that we have to respect yes because we're in the middle of a job 
Yes. All right. So we still have to provide our service. But yet we have this other person who's not doing their service, Mm. which is interfering with our job. Mm. Right. So the question is like, how do you deal with that in that moment? Yeah. That moment is it's and it's I don't know how to say it. It's it's terrifying. (laughs) It's it's like (laughs) I've worked on practicing this part. Now it's covered up or washed out, but I still got to play. But there's this feedback. So in that split second, different people do different things and people react different. Yeah. And to me, it's like a study Mm. (laughs) when it happens. I'm like, ooh, let's see what this person is going to do. (laughs) Right. I know it sounds crazy, but I'm like, ooh. Like this is the moment. This is the moment I've been waiting (laughs) for. The feedback, the sound man, and the drummer. You know, or whoever it is, or the sax player, you know, some people get mad and, yeah, you know, other people just wait. (laughs) Some people start to sign language. Mm. Right. And then what's interesting is to watch the sound man respond to that, Mm. because it's usually like, hey, what's going What's the what's the problem here? Right. Right. And that's what sends red flags to me, like. You don't hear this. You're not trying to troubleshoot it. And is there any repercussion for this? Mm. Because I've been in concerts where it hasn't happened just once or twice or three times, or four times, five times over and over and over. Yeah. Right. And then the um, person hiring the group is looking at the group like, what's your fault? <laughs> what's what, what are you guys doing? It's right. your problem. Right. But reality, it's the sound crew. So now you've got this tension with the employer, with the band and the sound man. Mm. Right. It's just kind of standoff. And that really doesn't help the tension at all. Right. You know, so it's (laughs) makes it worse. Yeah, it actually (laughs) makes it worse, you know, and makes me think about this isn't a bad situation. We had a concert in Indiana about a month ago. And they had several sound guys helping us set up. Super helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the sound was good there. What did you think? I think it was, yeah, for, for the room that we were in. Right, the room. The, base, the best that they could do. Right, yeah. the room. And that's what the other point I wanted to get to is your sound is proportional to the room. Mm. Every room is different. Yeah. Right. And you realize that being musicians on tour, you could play one night and it sounds incredible. And the next night. Sounds not incredible because it's a complete different room. Yeah. You know, does the room have rugs? Is it hardwood floor? Is it cement? Mm -hmm. Is it marble? I mean, the sound's going to change. It's going to travel differently. Mm -hmm. Right. And a lot of that you want to have control of, even though you have a sound man. I think it's good to start, even if a sound man is there from zero. Mm. And then bring things up from there. That's my own perspective. You don't have to follow that, but it's a way for you to control more of your sound and what's going on. Yeah. Right. And then if you need to make adjustments or they want you to turn up more or whatever, then you can, you can come to an agreement. Right. But if you just start off with whatever settings you had the night before, or it's just in the middle and your keyboard amp and they're just putting it where they had it for the last band, it's not going to work. Yeah. You know, you also have to realize, okay, are you the only band that night? Is it just you? Was there a band before? Mm. And are they using the same settings Mm -hmm. for different instruments? Mm. Right. 
A lot of sound guys will say, well, this is what the last bass player used. Yeah, but he was an acoustic bass player. I'm playing electric. Right. It's a different situation. Mm-hmm. Or, or it could be the last band was a country band. Mm-hmm. And now it's a salsa band. Mm-hmm. Or it's jazz or something more acoustic. Right. Right. So there's certain, certain things you have to be aware of for yourself. And you may have to ask. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. you know, it's good to have a certain amount of awareness. Generally, I like the mids here or the highs here. Yeah. Um, because unfortunately, once again, every sound man doesn't know. Right. They should, but they don't. Mm-hmm. You know, and the people hiring a lot of times they don't know either. Yeah. <laughs> so it's the blind leading the blind, right? And they're trusting the person they hired because that's supposed to be their job. Yeah. You know. But this is this is an issue I found a lot, uh, specifically with acoustic music. Mm. A lot of uh, sound crews or sound men or women want to enhance something in a way that's not necessary. Mm. Um, a lot of times, depending on the music, if it's acoustic, you may not need as many mics or what mics you use may be better. Like I know certain mics work on the piano better than other ones, mm. but I've been in several situations where sound men are like, no, that doesn't work. These are the best ones that are here. Okay. Maybe that's what's here. But for this reason, I specifically bought my own mics. Mm. I was told this years ago um, by a sound engineer uh, with Wynton Marcellus. He said, just buy your own mics. Mm. This might be expensive now, but it's worth it. Right. And I did it. And it is totally worth it because I know the sound these mics are going to produce. Now, the engineer may change what he's hearing out there, Mm. but at least I have some control over saying these these mics will work. This is what I like. This is what sounds good for this room, for this hall, these settings. Mm -hmm. That makes a big difference. So I do have control over that. So there is something that some control you can take. Um, it may be a little costly at first, but if you're touring consistently, spend the money, have it. Ask some friends, engineers, be aware of those things, because ultimately it's your sound. You're yeah. on a gig. When people look at YouTube or Instagram, they're seeing you. Mm. They're looking at a live feed. It's you. They're not thinking, oh, that sound, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, some people do. But at the end of the day, the average listener is saying, oh something's wrong with his bass or something's wrong with that person's saxophone or whatever. Right. right? Even though that's not the case. Yeah. Yep. So any other comments on the sound, man? Anything else? Yeah. I mean, I think just in general, just uh, don't piss the sound guy off. Yes. Don't do that. (laughs) Right. Because it only get worse. It definitely won't. (laughs) It's not going to help you. Right. Right. So create a relationship. Say hi. Hey, how you doing? You know, maybe ask what they like listening to. Mm. Was there a band before? You know, ask a couple questions that will help give you some insight Mm -hmm. um, to troubleshooting some issues. I'm not saying it's going to fix it. There's always issues, but mm-hmm. it's going to happen. But it's a matter of how you deal with it. Exactly. Uh, keep your head up. Be positive. Right. Thank everybody. Shake their hand. Just say, hey, see you on the next one. Or maybe I won't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's been a pleasure. Once again, I'm Richard Johnson. I'm Jeremiah Hunt. This is Music Business. What is this? We'll see you later. Mm-hmm. 
This program is partially supported by a grant from the Illinois Arts Council Agency. Thank you.